1: Well, welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero six zero two fifty eighty nine sixty. Feel free to call in anything you have uh, that's on your mind. Whether you want to talk about uh, the goings on abroad, uh, whether you want to talk about the debate last night, uh, or anything else. Quite frankly, we were having a really good discussion on the uh, oppressor versus oppressed dichotomy uh, in the last segment. What? What? No, say it. See, use your words. We're on a talk radio show here. What do you got? You just want to... I don't... I don't... What? I don't... Anyway. Uh, By the way, good time for me to point out, if you missed any shows, I've been getting a lot of comments about my interview with Kimberly Yee from earlier in the week, Monday. She was on on the second hour, Monday. People, more than uh, many interviews I've done in a long time, getting a lot of great feedback on it, Uh, and I just saw another recent... uh, uh, piece of praise for it on Twix. So if you miss anything 960thepatriot.com has uh has all, all the stuff we do, everything we do. I was making or about to make one last point um in the last segment when we were talking about the whole marxist notion of oppressor and oppressed and the um the revolutionary uh incubus that It creates and is justified upon in the name of both Marxism traditionally and neo-Marxism, having sprouted up really in earnest here in the 1950s and 1960s. Uh, Worth looking at uh, Jean-Paul Sartre's and Franz Fanon's book and his introduction to it, um, The Wretched of the Earth. Um, where they justify violence in the name of fighting colonization and uh, imperialism and racism. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, Franz Fanon himself, a Marxist, uh, invented the term decolonizing, which is, of course, helps explain all the nonsense you're seeing about Israel and Hamas. And where do you find, as I was trying to say at the end of the last segment, where do you find most of the exertions on behalf of Hamas in this country? Uh, a little bit on the streets, um, but more concentratedly uh, on the college campuses, because the revolutionary mind, the um, the revolutionary catalyst, is a very privileged thing. Um, it's a very elitist thing. Uh, you don't get revolutions, as someone once told me, from the numb and the dumb. They come from very sophisticated or pseudo-sophisticated teachings. Um, When it comes to anti-Semitism or Jew hatred, same thing. Noah Rothman was putting it this way. There's plenty of anecdotal anecdotal evidence to suggest that the hordes of young adults seen perpetrating acts of anti-Semitic vandalism or harassing Jews are, for lack of a better word, dumb. But though it may well be true that these young people are ignorant, they are not unschooled. Quite the opposite. On Thursday, the New York Post published a video of the scene of the attack on Paul Kessler, a 69 year old Californian who was killed after he was allegedly struck with a bullhorn while counter protesting a pro Hamas demonstration in LA County. Uh, Paul Kessler is, of course, Jewish. The footage captures the footage features deputies questioning Moorpark College professor Loe Al who admits to attempting to strike Kessler's phone, a strike that caused his target to fatally fall onto the pavement. The allegations are as yet merely those. al Naji has not yet been charged for his role in the attack. His innocence, we must presume, but al Naji has not been shy about expressing his support for terrorism in the highly abstracted and intellectualized way academics discuss bloodshed in support of causes to which they are predisposed. It is no coincidence that so many of the prosecutors of the campaign of anti-Semitism to which we are witnesses are some of American society's most comfortable, most affluent, most cosseted citizens. Islamist violence is not the language of the desperate and dispossessed. It is a product of indoctrination, and its perpetrators are often the well healed products of a misbegotten education. A world, uh, a number of studies of the phenomenon of Islamist terrorism support this. A World Bank study found that nearly 70 percent of Boko Haram's terrorists completed at least a secondary level of education, at least. Higher levels of education closely corresponded with support for the first intifada, according to the Palestinian Center for Policy and Survey Research. Research published in the journal Applied Economics found a positive association between education and terrorism, which suggests that more educated people are more likely to engage in terrorism. All leaders of Hamas, Rani Shekhed found, uh, are university graduates, some with master's degrees. Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, for example, has a master's degree. He continued, This is a movement not of poor, miserable people, but of highly educated people who are using poverty to make the movement more powerful. As the late Justice Antonin Scalia observed, There is a reason why the Holocaust was the innovation of one of the most literate, progressive, and cultured societies on Earth. It is a myth that desperation is the fuel that produces episodes of hateful, terroristic violence. After all, line you'll recognize from Rogers and Hammerstein... You must be carefully taught. Yes, the revolutionary violence is never from the numb and the dumb. You have to have an education to understand a little bit about what Jean-Paul Sartre and Franz Fanon are talking about. These were great elites, great elitists. Where were the blank? Where were the black? Uh, the Black Panthers getting their support and justifications from Leonard Bernstein's... Living room. Again, elite, privilege, educated, highly so, highly so. Look at the profile of the 9/11 terrorists. Most of them highly educated. One of them had a, one of them had a degree in ur- urban planning. God knows, urban planning. Urban planning to commit 9/11 is like calling yourself part of a liberation organization when you're. When your stock and trade is terrorism. Anyway, that's that's how this works. That's how this works. Where's the last time you saw a picture or poster of Che Guevara? I bet it wasn't in an office. I bet it was in a college dorm, or a faculty office. That's where you would have seen it. Larry in Phoenix. Hi, Larry.
2: Hey. Good afternoon, Seth. Good afternoon. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. You betcha. Yeah, I had called in yesterday while we were having the the discussion of the elephant in the room, the abortion Uh situation. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, my question was, one, I'm trying to know what the true meaning of the word viability is Mm -hmm. in these open-ended laws Mm -hmm. that they have. Mm -hmm. And secondly, when I get that, I'm trying to find out if, in fact, we have a baby born during an abortion okay is that not baby not protected by state's rights
1: well not by state's rights um certainly not by state's rights and there are various um you know state laws and there are mm-hmm. very and, and it depends which one you're in now see the problem here is in the 1970s uh post uh Roe and Doe v. Bolton uh, a federal judge uh, by the name of Clement Hainsworth, who Nixon tried to put on the Supreme Court at one point, wrote that the right to an abortion is the right to an effective abortion in the case of a baby, a child who was born and then mm-hmm. scheduled for death. And we see these kinds of things. This this was brought out in Chicago uh, in a big way by a nurse. Uh, was her name? was her name Jill Stefanic in 2004 2005 when Barack Obama voted against that very legislation to protect those very children and he was in the state legislature legislature mm-hmm. um, the definition of viability as i understand it of course as a general issue is going to become narrow and narrower as a as med- as medical science advances and advances but What most of these laws do with regard to viability and will override whatever numerical value you want to put on it is they mostly put it in the hands of the doctor and the patient, which is probably where it does need to be, um, quite frankly. But, you know, it, it raises the question, I think it raises the question of why would anyone support an abortion after viability? And that's what the Democrats right. lie about. They continually right, lie right. about it. They're ashamed yeah. of their position. And that's why I think we shouldn't be. That's what I don't understand in this conflict. Why are we the ones who have to shrink from the issue when they're the ones who are so openly lying about it, obviously over the shame of it?
2: Right. My, que- my question would be, now that I more understand that it, it's basically not supported. They don't want to recognize that this baby has rights. You know, yeah, that that me, has always been me, the when that, you have yeah. Go yeah, ahead to to me when you have a botched a botched job.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah,
2: you don't you don't attack. You know the house where the guy didn't fix it.
1: You <laughs> sue the guy who did it. Well, that's you know, you know if saying? you have a pregnant woman in many states, including this one, who is assaulted and the unborn child dies, that's manslaughter or homicide. No one would argue with that. <laughs> I'm a son of a gun. Welcome back to the Seth Leveson Show, 602 uh, 5080960. Larry, did I? I'm with Larry, right? That's who I'm talking with. Larry, did I answer your question sufficiently?
2: Yeah, you you did. The reason why I was bringing you up is because we know we we don't want to have this open-ended, get an abortion at any time during the pregnancy, situation that is being passed in all these states and the truth not being told as you brought out all the lies being told and I, I was trying to find out and trying to make it using kind of like the left uses is that they love victims and to me the baby is the victim and what are we doing to protect the baby they didn't sign up to be aborted. you know it, it's one of those things where education comes along, and it's just like you know the doctor the doctor gets sued, the doctor gets charged with murder it, you know it there has to be something to make people think about maybe this isn't such a good idea, and maybe we should walk it back and get a number of weeks that we can agree upon that's a you know it was just a question to raise it and try to try to educate and um, create an awareness that it's not the best thing in the world and again the child didn't ask to be brought into this well, situation
1: no of course not and, and and it is an interesting debate isn't it um, when you think what we're talking about here is a claimed right versus a life and yeah. we know it's a life because it's growing anything growing is alive is living um, right so we have a and that was a,
2: the viability question. And then we know? can okay. how
1: we can have we can have all the discussions we want about viability, but what we start with the we start with the notion that we are dealing with a life that the state homicide fetal homicide laws would be irrelevant and unconstitutional and fought against if this were not so. And I won't. I can't find the person who thinks. That they should be. I, I don't know anyone who thinks a woman who is pregnant and is assaulted, and her fe- and her <clears throat> her unborn child or fetus dies, shouldn't <clears throat> shouldn't that person shouldn't be charged for either manslaughter or homicide or negligent Always homicide.
2: Always exceptions. I agree. I right. Agree.
1: So there is a recognition that this is a life worthy of living. There, is, this is a life worthy of certain rights and protections. O B G Y N textbooks t- used to talk about pregnant uh women as the doctor having the duty of care for two patients and it wasn't the father, two patients, mm-hmm. not the father. Yep. And 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 so I want to get into the how they lie and obfuscate in a moment with you, but everything you said is, is right, but also what about the callousness of society that treats life so disposably? May I mm-hmm. quote you something? Certainly. What happens to the mind of a person or the moral fabric of a nation that accepts the aborting of the life of a baby without a pang of conscience? It is that question, that question of our attitude and our value system and our mindset with regard to the nature and worth of life itself that is the central question confronting mankind. Failure to answer that question affirmatively may leave us with a hell Right here on Earth. Close quote. Can I tell you who wrote that? Absolutely. Reverend Jesse Jackson, 1977. Mm
2: -hmm. And not surprising.
1: Right. Right. (laughs) There is something about the coarsening and callousness of our society that has enveloped around this issue. We used to talk, at least Democrats used to talk about it being uh, uh, rare, legal, and safe. Safe legal and rare mm-hmm. you now have you know you you know have, have a, a celebratory you now have a celebratory um attitude about this and just go online and look at it it is gruesome, but let me play you this interview with Kamala Harris and Margaret brennan from um Face the nation. Just one second. I just want you to hear. Why are we ashamed when they won't speak the truth? Because they're ashamed of their position. They know if their position were put in sharp relief, it would not be acceptable. So they have to lie. But we're the ones who are told we have to shut up about it. Just listen to this interaction.
3: What is it that you believe? I mean, what week of pregnancy should abortion
4: access be cut off? We need to restore the protections of Roe versus Wade.
1: Okay, so she doesn't answer. What week? Well, we need to restore the protections of Roe v. Wade. I don't know how many people watching CBS have read Roe v. Wade and know what that answer is. By the way, the answer is zero. If you read Roe v. Wade and its companion uh, decision. Anyway, listen, just listen how long this goes on, how long she refuses to answer.
4: We're not trying to do something new. Well, that was nebulous because it was
3: about viability, which could be anywhere between 20 to 24 weeks. And but it,
4: so no, 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 no. Let, let's let me let me be very the clear. The women's health be very clear. That's let, be, House also. let me be very
1: clear. Let her be very clear.
4: From day one, the president has been clear. I have been clear. clear. A lot of clear need to put back the protections that are in Roe v. Wade into law. Since the Supreme Court took it, Congress has the power and ability to pass legislation to put those protections back in law, and Joe Biden will sign that bill. So that is what we want. But does it need to be specific in terms of defining
3: and where that guarantee goes up to, and where it does not, at
4: which week of pregnancy? We need to put back in place the protections of Roe versus Wade. You know why not, I'm asking you this uh, question, though, because we're not trying to. But we're not trying to do anything that did not exist before June of last year.
1: And what was that?
4: We well, are it, saying it wasn't no, but, crafted into law, and that's why I'm
3: asking you for the specifics here because Republicans say the lack of a precise date in cutting it off. You know this. Is they say that allows Democrats to perform abortions up until you know birth, which is ridiculous, which is, which statistically is, which is, which is, not accurate, and, and
4: it's ridiculous, I and it's a that. mischaracterization so of the point. No, the point but, is, but the do point you need is, to be more precise? To, I am being precise. I am being precise. We precise need and to clear. put into law the protections of Roe versus Wade, and that is about going back to where we were before the Dobbs decision. But if if there is the possibility
3: through legislation to provide any kind of guarantee at the federal level, any kind of protection, like the Republican proposal of 15 weeks
4: protection. The Republicans Is are also propo- the, the doing Repu- members something. Members of the Republican Party are also proposing a national ban. The thing that... I'm talking about the Lindsey Graham bill, as you know. the And, and those proposals of
3: giving some
1: access, though. She has no, you got to see this. you just wow. got to watch her face. you got to watch Kamala Harris's face because she didn't think Margaret Brennan, she didn't think Margaret Brennan wouldn't understand that being very clear and very direct and very, very clear is to not give an answer to the question. Now, if they're the ones that are afraid of the answer to the question, if they're the ones that want to obfuscate, don't you want to ask why? Because she is too smart. Kamala Harris is too smart to know excuse me too smart not to know too smart not to know that the protections of roe versus wade she's talking about have no limit we should start it really with the violins right about there are those violins yeah are global leaders developing solutions that promote freedom and quality of life or are they creating problems enforcing solutions that only benefit the elite Midas Gold Group believes it's the latter from draconian COVID restrictions, the decimation of small businesses, and changed election laws. They believe your finances will be next. Under the guise of protecting you, you'll get money, monetary expansion, national debt, and reduced purchasing power, and their central bank digital currency will virtually eliminate your savings and purchasing privacy. The answer is to convert a portion of your savings or IRA to physical gold and silver. Precious metals are a private currency. They've been used to store wealth throughout history. And thousands of you have trusted the veterans at Midas Gold Group, just as Seb, Gorka, and I have, because they're fighting for your financial freedom and privacy. Call the Midas Gold Group today at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or check them out online at midasgoldgroup.com. I was just saddened to hear over the commercial break, that Frank Borman died. I had no idea he was still alive. 95 years old. In the American Patriots' almanac, the year 1968, on December 24th, the entry for December 24th, the year 1968 was one of the most discouraging in modern U.S. history. The Vietnam War dragged on. Despite major civil rights bills, many people feared the country was turning increasingly separate and unequal. The nation grieved over the assassinations of Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert Kennedy. Riots filled city streets. At the end of the dismal year, a Saturn V rocket lifted off from Cape Canaveral on mankind's first attempt to reach the moon. On board were three Apollo 8 astronauts. Can you name them, David? We used to know this. Frank Borman, Jim Lovell, and Bill Anders. Their mission was not to land on the moon, but to orbit it 10 times. NASA told their wives that the men's chances of making it back to Earth alive were about 50-50. On Christmas Eve, millions of enthralled TV viewers watched as the astronauts transmitted a blurry but miraculous image of the lunar surface. Then they heard the voice of Bill Anders, quote, We are now approaching lunar sunrise and... For all the people back on earth, the crew of Apollo 8 has a message that we would like to send you. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. That's what they transmitted. The astronauts took turn reading the first ten verses of Genesis. Do you know that? Then Frank Borman said, quote, And from the crew of Apollo 8, we close with good night, good luck, a Merry Christmas, and God bless all of you, all of you on the good earth. Close quote. After a year of death and destruction, the astronauts' brave journey and healing gesture were like a balm in Gilead. Apollo 8 held the promise that a free people would not fail after all. Americans coming together could still achieve wonders. Yeah, that's when we used to be able to have nice things because of what we did. Oh, I was giving a lecture on how we couldn't have nice things on air a couple weeks ago because we got all these new accoutrements in the bathroom in the public in our public restrooms here. Well, the public, whatever the building restrooms, and someone stole one of the accoutrements. I think it was the face mist. You remember that? You do. And I gave a lecture on this is why we can't have nice things. Who steals an accoutrement in the public, you know, for public use and public good? Who steals such a thing? Who does that? And there was no way to really find out. But the next day I came in to use the restroom and I saw there it was. And someone had put a little note on it. And it still sits there to this day. Do not remove Seth's faced mist. Now, I have never used it. You should know. I was about the principle of the thing. You don't steal these things. And I was walking to what? You have a point? You've used it. You have? You used it one time. Mr. Bill has never used it one time. One time. Uh, anyway, uh, on our floor is a lovely person and a listener who heard me give that lecture. She took it from the women's room and put it in the men's room. So we have one and they don't. This is why they can't have nice things. There's still the original sin of someone stealing here. Anyway. God rest you in peace, uh, Frank Borman. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602 I was remarking the other day, I think it was with the Hallmans, that it's an odd—and this is kind of a callback to what we were discussing with um, with uh, Rick in uh, the first hour. It's an odd time where you get more serious conversation from comedians and purported comedic quasi-news shows like Bill Maher's than almost anywhere else in the public square, certainly at a university. Uh, For about four weeks now, the most substantial and serious conversations you will see about Israel and Gaza have been on the Bill Maher show. I watch a lot of shows. I gather a lot of news. And it's the most serious and substantial stuff, his his roundtables. Um, And it's monologues He was doing something on Western civilization last weekend And uh, I thought it was worth playing young David. Can you cue up professor Marr?
5: And finally new rule for all the progressives and academics who refer to Israel as an outpost of Western civilization Like it's a bad thing. Please note Western civilization is what gave the world pretty much every liberal precept that liberals are supposed to adore Individual liberty, scientific inquiry, rule of law, religious freedom, women's rights, human rights, democracy, trial by jury, freedom of speech. Please, somebody stop us before we enlighten again. (laughs) And since one can find all these concepts in today's Israel and virtually nowhere else in the Middle East, if anything, the world would be a better place if it had more Israels. Of course, this message falls on deaf ears to the current crop who reduce everything to being only victims or victimizers. So Israel is lumped in as the toxic fruit of the victimizing West. The irony being that all marginalized people live better today because of Western ideals, not in spite of them. Martin Luther King used Henry David Thoreau's essay, Civil Disobedience, to help shape the civil rights movement. The UN's Universal Declaration of Human Rights owes its core to Rousseau and Voltaire. Cleisthenes never showed up for a sexual harassment seminar. (laughs) But without him, there's no democracy. The cop who murdered George Floyd got 21 years for violating his Fourth Amendment rights, an idea we got directly from John Locke who no one in college would ever study anymore because he's so old and so white and so dead. (laughs) So Western. Yes, that's how simple the woke are. It's never about ideas. If it was, would they be cheering on Hamas for their liberation? Liberation? To do what? More freely preside over a country where there are no laws? against sexual harassment, spousal rape, domestic violence, homophobia, honor killings, or child marriage. This is who liberals think you should stand with. (laughs) Women there should be so lucky as to get colonized by anybody else. And for the record, the Jews didn't colonize Israel or anywhere ever except maybe Boca Raton. Gaza wasn't seized by Israel like India or Kenya was by the British Empire, and the partitioning of the region wasn't decided by Jews, but by a vote of the United Nations in 1947, with everyone from Russia to Haiti voting for it. But apparently they don't teach this at drag queen story hour anymore. (laughs) Now, it is true that for too long... We didn't study enough Asian or African or Latin American history. But part of the reason for that is, frankly, there's not as much to study. Colleges replaced courses in Western Civ. Boo! (laughs) Eye roll, dead white men, am I right? (laughs) They replaced that with world civilization classes, which is fine in theory, but what it meant in practice is you read queer poetry of the African diaspora instead of Shakespeare. And I'm sure there's value in both. But as usual, America only ever overcorrects. And so we're at this place now where the words Western Civ became kind of a shorthand for white people ruined everything. <laughs> but, <clears throat> but they didn't ruin everything. No, they didn't live up to their own ideals for far too long and committed atrocities, but people back then were all atrocious. Not just the white ones, depending on who had the power. But it was the Western Enlightenment that gave rise to the notion that the law of the jungle should be curbed. Henry David Thoreau, John Stuart Mill, Ralph Waldo Emerson, John Jacques Rousseau, three named dudes. <laughs> it was all about three named dudes. Three named dudes like that were the OG social justice warriors. The ideas that came through Athens, Rome, London, Paris, and yes, Philadelphia, are what make life good for most people in free societies today. That the individuals have value, and even the powers that be must submit to the rule of law. That punishment should not be cruel and unusual. That the accused get pe- people get a trial. That there is such a thing as a war crime. Why is it that every other culture gets a pass, but the West is exclusively the sum of the worst things it's ever done? You think only white people colonized? (laughs) Historians estimate that the very non-Western Mr. Genghis Khan (laughs) killed 40 million people, and that was in the 13th century. (laughs) He single-handedly may have reduced the world's population by 11%. On the other hand, he kind of made up for it. Because he was such a prolific colonizer, that today an estimated 16 million people are his direct descendants. <laughs> so stop saying Western civilization like it's a contradiction in terms. It's not. You're thinking of moderate Republican.
1: Yeah, he has to do that. But I can take it. I can take it. Yeah, if you want to be smart, uh, you might have to rethink where you're going for your intelligence. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the other one. Um, it's not going to be at the university, and I don't think Bill Maher can play universities anymore. It's going to be, <clears throat> it's going to be on shows, talk shows. It's going to be on Bill Maher's show. It's going to be on podcasts like Trigger Nominatory with Constantine Kissin and every single thing Douglas Murray does. Look at Douglas Murray's interview with Piers Morgan yesterday. Douglas Murray is in Gaza right now. Thirty minutes, that'll change your life, I promise you. There's no substitute for brains, and boy, does he have them. We'll be right back. Do you trust this economy? How about a secure investment that actually helps people? You can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return with one that does. It's offered up by Y-Refi, and that investment is not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. Think about that. You're in control. You can turn your income on or off. Compound it, whatever you like, and there are absolutely no fees. You can have peace of mind. There's no attack on principle. If you ever need your money back, you'll get your monthly statement with no surprises. This is a secure, collateralized portfolio that may be a better option for you than where you have your money now. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com, or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-24, 888-Y-REFI-24. Make sure and tell them Seth Liebson sent you. So stories going around now, of course, about uh, journalists that have been killed in Gaza. And equally, the story that you won't see is that four international media outlets, the New York Times, CNN, the Associated Press, and Reuters have been using four photojournalists from Gaza that not only had advanced knowledge of the attack by Hamas militants uh, on October 7th, But are posing with them. Some of them are posing with them. One of the AP photojournalists is actually posing with Yahya Sinwar, the head of Hamas in the Gaza Strip. One of them is posing with a hand grenade in his hand. One of these journalists there is no freedom of press in Gaza. As Ben Shapiro said, if you carry a grenade in one hand and a camera in the other, that does not give you journalistic immunity. It does not give you journalistic immunity. You don't get to carry grenades and you don't get to secret and hide terrorist attacks under the cover of being a journalist. You're a human being first. But these are Gazans who work and live under the oppression that is Hamas. Again, direct your ire and concern, sadness, distaste, disgust to those who are disgusting. And do yourself a favor. Go online. You can find it almost anywhere and everywhere. And watch Douglas Murray's interview with Piers Morgan. Douglas, D-O-U-G-L-A-S-S, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y. He was in the studio about a year ago, I think, wasn't he? It was about a year ago when he was here. Anyway, okay, I'm Seth Liebsen. We'll be right back.